In all my 20 years of working with fashion brands, creative agencies, retail stores, and working on some of the most prominent collaborations of all time, you know what the most stressful thing I've ever done is? Trying to start a podcast. No, seriously, trying to get a podcast off the ground is like advanced mathematics. It's a tangled web of codes, confusing links, and algorithms. That is until the day I discovered Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. A, it is free. B, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your smartphone or computer. C, Anchor will take care of distributing your podcast for you so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else people listen to shows. And last but not least, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Thank you, Anchor. No, really, thank you. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Beast and Hype Radio. I am Jeff Staple, and this is the Business of Hype, a show about creative entrepreneurs, brand builders, innovators, and the realities behind the dreams they've built. This man needs no introduction. People know his face and his signature style. And even if you don't, You've definitely seen his trademark look, which has become a category of fashion onto itself. Jerry Lorenzo has taken fashion and the internet by storm with his Fear of God collection and his recent game-changing collaboration with Nike. Today on the Business of Hype podcast, we take a look at his perspective into design, the lessons that have helped him throughout his career, and the importance of learning from your losses. My name is Jerry Lorenzo, um, creative director and founder of Fear of God. Okay. Um, and uh, what I do, I'm a, I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a creative, I'm a boss. I've got um, 20 or 30 employees in a, in a factory I've got to be responsible for. Yeah. So it's a lot more than coming up with uh, designs for collections. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the end of 18 mm-hmm. and now we're heading into the top of 19 has been quite a quite a couple months for you yeah can you succinctly recap what the last few months have been like oh man i wish i could man i'm, I'm so um immersed mm-hmm. or emerged in it yeah. and so it's hard to take a step back and and look at it um we were so quiet all year from a brand standpoint mm-hmm. and a lot of that was um you know we were really working on developing sixth and we knew what we had coming with Nike was pretty big and we didn't want that to overshadow um, the perspective with the main line, which is why we had the opportunity with Nike. And so we know, we knew that sixth collection needed to be um, at a level that um, was, was, um, was worthy of, of this um, new silhouette and right. this new proposition through Nike that we had coming. And so, um, it was a quiet year, man. Mm-hmm. It was a tough year. It was probably my, my heaviest year from a development standpoint and trying to, um, you know, uh, get our factory and our development to a luxury level and get the collection um, to a, a higher level than when it was with, with Fifth Collection. And so um, in doing that and dealing with um, being a CEO and trying to manage and you know, personalities and, mm-hmm. and the office, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it was a tough year, but to get to the last two, two or three months, we knew it was going to be loud. Yeah. And we were, you know, um, uh, I feel like we were prepared. We were mm-hmm. prepared and, um, I feel like God doesn't give you too much that, you know, more than you can handle. And, um, it's been a crazy two or three months. Um, but it was everything that we fought for. It was everything that we prepared for. It was everything that we asked for. Yeah. And so um, I wouldn't have it a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, 
you know, it's just kind of like Jordans, man. I think we were we were talking off offline, off off audio. Yeah, you know, it, it, the Jordan 14 came around and I stopped wearing them. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So it's like I'm I'm enjoying the fact that people are into the product right now. Yeah, and I know it's not going to be forever, mm-hmm. but while they are into it, I'm I'm. I'm, I'm grateful, man. Yeah. And I wouldn't have it any other kind of way. Right. You know? So you knew in January of 18 that the Nike was coming at the end of the year. Oh, of course. We yeah. started we started designing that a year and a half before January 18. Okay. Was like that. So the whole process from like beginning to release was like how long? A little bit longer than two and a half years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Kids so, don't realize what goes into stuff like this. No, I'm... I mean, I love the shoe, mm-hmm. but this is like a, an, an idea from like two and a half years ago. Right. You, you know must I mean? be so tired. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's just kind of like, um, wow. and it's one thing to go there and to to build on something they already have built. Mm-hmm. But we, you know, you know, I've told this story before, but, you know, I brought my last in from Italy. We had to rebuild a performance last, a shape based on, you know, my Italian yeah. shape. And right. so... It was a full build, and not only does it take time to build something from scratch, but it took time for two different creative creatives to come together, you know, the Nike side and the Fear of God side to come together and learn our language. Yeah. You know, right. I had to learn their language. They had to, to learn mine, and together we were trying to build a shoe, mm-hmm. you know, and that, um, you know, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some resources. Um, were they ever like, why don't you just do an Air Force One, buddy? <laughs> Uh, I think the conversation started out something like that. Yeah, okay. And I don't know how I had the... Um, I, I know what I'm good at. Mm-hmm. I'm not really good at coloring up. I'm not really good at changing materials on something that exists. Mm. I'm good at proposing a shape and a mm-hmm. silhouette that that's missing from the market. I'm good at that. Okay. And it was just kind of like me telling Nike and, you know, one of the... I guess with every collaboration, there's a, a business um, goal mm-hmm. in mind. Yeah, there's an art goal and a business goal, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And the business goal and in, in, in saying, "Hey, we we love how you style your collections. Mm-hmm. We love the proportions and the shape of your collections and the layering and all yeah, these yeah. things that you do. Help us to style. How, how do we style our, our our performance footwear in a way that transcends on court the way that it did back in the '90s mm-hmm. and my whole thing was it has nothing to do with the styling and everything to do with the shape of the new performance shoes, which in my mind are a lot more bigger, bulkier um, than what they used to be in the 80s and 90s when they were slimmer, sleeker. Mm -hmm. You know, that Jordan 1 goes with jeans a whole different way than the LeBron does. To me, that's all shape. Yep. You know, and so it was kind of going back to um, to not only a, a slimmer shape, but how do I modernize even that shape from the eighties and nineties? It's mm-hmm. not going back and using that last. No, not it's, retroing. Yeah. It's, it's what is, what is that new 2018 version of that? Yeah. Yeah. And so I just really felt convicted that if I had the opportunity to propose a new shape through Nike, mm-hmm. that we could land on a solution that would transcend performance to lifestyle and check the box of everything lifestyle and off the court and check every on court mm-hmm. box and yeah. for the first time not compromise either way mm-hmm. you know right the best collaborations are when two parties create something brand new that each wouldn't be able to do on their own and that's exactly what Jerry and Nike were able to accomplish he didn't just make a Nike sneaker of his own He made a Nike sneaker, period, a brand new silhouette, completely new from the ground up. And it was Jerry's vision that set the course, but more importantly, his patience that helped him make it come to life. Remember, don't let your journey slow you down. Don't get caught up on why things aren't actualizing the way you originally thought. It took more than two years to create the Nike Air Fear of God one, and even longer to build Fear of God to a place where it could even collaborate with Nike. So remember to trust that process. Did you have to work with both Nike basketball and Nike sportswear on this? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, man. So with with, with we we developed two two shoes with Nike. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
basketball. Yeah. And then we've got some other shoes that are dropping with Nike sportswear mm-hmm. outside of the skyline with are brand new silhouettes also. Mm-hmm. Nice. How was it merging those two, you know, performance and fashion divisions? Had they ever done it before? I, I think I was going to say, I, th- I think Nike was learning how to do that at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember. They're, a, they're so big. Right. You know, and, and all of these different companies within the big company are mm-hmm. so used to just operating exclusively yeah. of each other, right. independently of each other. And so my project really kind of brought all these teams into the same room mm-hmm. um, more frequently probably than they had ever been necessarily working together. And yeah. so um, I think we talked a little bit offline and it was it was not only, I had to learn and understand the way that they worked mm-hmm. in order to yeah. insert my proposition within their world right. to, to find a way for it to yeah. kind of work in the Nike world. And this is before any design or anything. You just have to learn the language of how to communicate first. I got to learn the language. Yeah. I got to learn who and why I'm like upset with. <laughs> yeah. Do they even care? Or are they even the ones that can, can help me, you know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Or, yeah. Navigate the waters. Exactly, man. Because some people just, you know, there's nothing wrong with it, but some people just don't care. Like they were nine to five. They don't care that this is the most important thing in your life. They just, they got 8,000 other things to do at, you know, their job. Some people don't, but I'm, I'm blessed that the majority of people within Nike did care. You yeah. Know I mean, and, and I think um, it's not necessary. You look at, oh, wow, you, you know, working with Nike, but it's really like you work with people. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. not, I'm not working with the logo. <laughs> right. I'm not working with the shareholders. I, I, yeah. I'm working with people that, <laughs> right. that really, you know, love what they do. And mm-hmm. I think I was blessed to, you know, be able to work with Leo Chang and on the Nike basketball side that really loved what I did. And mm-hmm. coming from Nike basketball, I said, hey, I, I think Jerry can help us bring some solutions to what we're doing or yeah. help bring some new ideas to what we're doing. And, you know, to the apparel side and um, the NSW side, I, I, I think... Um, approaching um, NSW footwear from a new point of view instead of from um, a historical place of, of, of bringing back all these emotional silhouettes that you and I love so much is yeah. how, how do we make the new one? Yeah. What does that new one look like? And yeah. How do we approach that? And I think um, everyone was open, mm-hmm. you know, and I think yeah. for me, I think timing just had a, a bigger part to play in all of this mm-hmm. than anything. Yeah, you know, I, I, the opportunity to work to work with Nike came at a time when, for the first time, Nike was really open mm-hmm. to new ideas beyond color ups. Right. Um, to wear apparel and and um, and, a, and sportswear were open to things beyond what they had done in the past. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, had the opportunity came across my desk a year before, it probably wouldn't have looked the same. Yeah. You know, and so. Um, Did you have trepidation? making this new silhouette man i haven't felt any fear or trepidation until i want to say like until now in now that it's out why um i was just so i i knew it's just kind of like when before we put the you know our our jeans in the market with the zip and the and the vintage feel like i knew it would work you know kind of like the track pant I knew it was missing from my kids uh-huh. you know like the bomber jacket and like the long tee that you couldn't find and yeah. all of these solutions I've I'm everything I do is built on conviction that's all I have I've only been designing for five plus years and I, I can't afford to think outside of what I'm convicted of mm-hmm. or what my instincts are telling me and so I've just always felt like I knew this shoe would work but, but not, this shoe didn't exist before yeah exactly <laughs> So that's a little is, scary, like because I knew something was missing. You know, it's yeah, kind of, it's 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 I like know. it's like wait, there's not a basketball shoe I want to wear right now. Mm-hmm. Truth, you know, there's not. So what is that? Right, you got to make it, and that's kind of how fear of God started. It uh-huh. was like something from something missing. All these things missing in my closet. Oh, right. I got to go find it. I got to go make it. Yeah. And you know, and so that was kind of the approach. And so now that it's out, yeah, why well, are you nervous now? now? I think maybe because I'm getting a, a, a little bit time to breathe and uh-huh. I have time to think about it. What you did, yeah, yeah. I haven't had time to think about it, man. Right. I've been so involved in the in the in the everyday nuances of developing this thing. Yeah. And you know, it's <laughs> it has been a two and a half year grind of like, you know, from 
from the from working on the shape of the shoe mm-hmm. and, the, and the design and the materials and everything that goes into that to yeah. to the campaign communication mm-hmm. yeah, to, the select, to selecting the models and to to finding the right barn to shoot in front yeah. of and you know what I mean like yeah. every little detail like there's nothing that I'm not obsessing over right like the right car has to be parked there yeah yeah like the music and like you know so I'm so immersed in in the in creating this thing that I haven't had time to think of mm-hmm. oh is it gonna work because right. everything I'm doing is based on the fact that I feel like it is gonna work mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and now that I have some time on my hands to kind of take a, take a step back and look at it I'm like oh is this thing working yeah, yeah. you know what I mean right. so <laughs> that's funny It doesn't matter what industry you're in. It could be fashion, design, advertising, music, cooking, even finance, anything. Ideas become great when they address what's missing. That's an opportunity to break from the mold and not just deliver a cool service or product, but create something that really serves as a solution. In Jerry's case, no one was really catering to his style. There wasn't a modern sneaker that he thought could easily transition on and off the court. And if you find a need in your life, yes, you can talk about it, you can complain, and it might even annoy you. But don't just think about what would be great. Be the person that does something because that's a prime moment where you can turn a solution into an opportunity. The listener should also know that we're sitting in your design studio, which actually now looks more <laughs> like a Nike warehouse. Yeah, <laughs> You're, we're just surrounded by fucking Nike boxes right and now. I, I wonder if that makes you nervous. <laughs> you, and exactly. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to take you next door to where my logistics teams and 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 sales and and my the rest of my team works out of, and it's full with like boxes. We're getting ready to ship out six collection, and uh-huh. I used to work over there, but looking at the boxes just get, gave me anxiety. Anxiety, and yeah. I, it was hard for me to get anything done. And so, we actually just got these boxes, um, you know, not that long ago. And we mm-hmm. were supposed to have them up on the 15th on our site, and. You know, we're in the we're in the middle of shipping out pre-orders from six. Then, yeah. you know, we have to take care of these kids that that love pre- the brand. pre-ordered and yeah. love the brand and yeah. gave us the opportunity to work with Nike. Mm-hmm. So we can't say, "Hey, we'll ship you guys after the new year and put all these shoes on." You know what I mean? And so these are decisions that, as a CEO, I have to make. Also, yeah. Yep. And so now I'm living with boxes in my design studio. Mm-hmm. That's a very calculated decision that you made because I think a lot of people would have gotten caught up in the Nike hype and the Nike machine and been like, it's all Nike right now, everything, you know, and like forget the thing that actually got us the phone call from Nike. Yeah, exactly, (laughs) man. You know, and I'm, uh, you know, and I'm, I think I'm blessed to have this opportunity at this stage in my life when I'm older Mm -hmm. and I can make some sound decisions and, um, um, I'm, I'm in front of the wave Mm -hmm. and creating the wave and not getting drowned in it and not, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, getting caught in the hype. Right, right. Um, and so um, I, I think, you know, we talked about this earlier too. I just think it's, you know, it's funny how God can 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 bless you when you're, when you're ready to deal with it, mm-hmm. you know? Because mm-hmm. this, this was a very heavy year. And if I, you know, uh, the last night in Asia and I, you know, thank Nike for just believing in me. You know, I'm, I'm getting choked up and starting to cry. Um, because if I do take a step back and think, wow, like, they put a lot of resources in to, yeah. to my perspective and mm-hmm. it's super humbling. Yeah, it is. You know, it's super humbling and it's... If you zoom out and like just think about it for a second. Man, it's too like, Think about what Nike <laughs> thought, like what Nike meant to us yeah. as kids. Yeah, Like man. going to Beaverton, nah, that's... Come on, man. That's the Wizard of Oz. You don't go there, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, you talked about the waves. Um, I want to ask you this question because we're at a very interesting point where the worlds of like um, luxury, streetwear, sneaker culture, and music are like sort of crashing, right? Mm-hmm. And you are, to me, one of the people that are like at the intersection of that collision mm-hmm. and maybe constantly being like influenced, but also pulled. Like, are you luxury? Are you street? You know, mm-hmm. like, how do you, where do you see it from your perspective? Uh, I feel like fear of God is, is luxury. Okay. You know, if I look at other luxury brands, I can see our influence from shape, from mm-hmm. proportion, from a storytelling perspective. 
um, from a styling perspective. And I feel like we're luxury in the sense that we influence the market with our point of view. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would take it a step further to say with the six collection, um, we're luxury in the sense that when you pick up our product, it's, you can put it against the best in the world. Yeah. And hopefully I feel like we may win every time, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of love in the details and, um, a lot of love in the construction, a lot of love in the garments. Um, and that only comes from us, you know, like I said, obsessing over this day in and, and, yeah. and day out. And, um, you know, if you look at the handle on the social media on, on Instagram, it says American luxury, mm-hmm. you know, and I feel like for so long, um, Americans have had to go overseas to adopt certain styles and yeah. then put our, t- our, our, our spin or our taste on it, um, to, to validate what's luxury overseas and, mm-hmm. and never really have we, you know, kind of since a Ralph Lauren yep. said, Hey, this is our perspective. Yeah. It's made here. Um, it's, 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 it's birth from the culture that, um, um, is, is birthed here mm-hmm. in this country. And this is a representation of, of who we are. So and why do people want to keep pulling it into street? Uh, probably be, for, for me, it's probably because of my background, because I've only been doing this five and a half years. It's probably because... Because um, that you didn't go to Central St. Martin's and study yeah, for 12 years. and Exactly. Right. You know, all that. And, you know, I'm not by any means I want to pull a race card, but I think it's hard for for a lot of people of color who influence culture mm-hmm. and who are responsible for culture from a, a musical standpoint, from a fashion standpoint, from a, a sports yeah. standpoint. So many times it's hard for us to look at people that look like us mm-hmm. and say, oh, hey, you're the one responsible for a certain style or you're the one responsible for a design. Right. Because so many times us of color have gone overseas to get something from... Yeah, you know, from a European or or, or whoever to mm-hmm. to validate or to elevate ourselves, right? From from our, you mean from a consumerism standpoint? From like a consumer standpoint, when you want to buy something that shows that you've gotten somewhere, you go to outside someone of, else outside of your immediate of your, outside yeah. of your immediate culture, right? Exactly, and mm-hmm. so I think some consumers are just kind of like, why am I going to pay for that from somebody that looks like me and is from like where I'm from, and you ain't even, you know what I mean? So it's kind of wow. like. There, there's that nuance, you know what I mean? And yeah. then you have the other nuance from the fashion houses that are like, oh, you didn't go to design school. Mm-hmm. And, you know what I mean? Right. And I think I think the most valuable thing you can have is perspective. Perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like we have point of view. Right. We have a fear of God point of view. Definitely. Yeah. That, that you can look to a kid and he cannot be wearing fear of God head to toe and he could be dressed like fear of God. Yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like you can, oh, I can see... Where you the got vocabulary. The, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's very hard to do and very hard to have your vocabulary on a human being without mm-hmm. your brand being on that human being. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think fear of God has been able to do that. Yeah. And I think that alone shows how strong our perspective is. Mm-hmm. And so when you ask, are we luxury? I'm like, yes, because we have a very strong defined language. Yeah. Um, that can be seen even outside of our designs. Mm -hmm. Without a doubt, Jerry's vocabulary is everywhere. I mean, just look outside. The fear of God aesthetic can be found on any given street or red carpet. And that's a testament to his clear vision of what his brand represents and how passionate he is for bringing it to life. Jerry's advice is sound. Find your perspective, your point of view, and be obsessed with it. The fabric, the draping, the music, the barn. Be obsessed with every single thing. If you believe in that perspective, no one should get in your way when creating something under that lens. No one will be allowed to define your brand for you. If you're that obsessed with those details, no stone should be left unturned. Every aspect will be thought through. Your vision will be clear, and that will be ultimately reflected in what you create. In Jerry's case, it's to be reflected in the impact that he makes in style. So-
So back in the day, I had a little problem. As you probably know, I own a design studio called Staple Design. And Staple is doing amazing work that I'm super proud of. The work is hard and challenging, but extremely rewarding and fruitful. Problem is, when the work is done, it's super hard to tell people about the work. Yeah, we had a website, but it was such a pain in the neck to update it. I'd either have to figure out some archaic coding script or I have to pay someone to update it for me. Neither was ideal. And it showed. We would literally go for years without updating the site and it was embarrassing. God, how many times did I hand out a business card and say, don't go to our website, we never update it. So how could I quickly and easily update our website without paying an arm and a leg? Enter Squarespace. With Squarespace, I'm able to create a site quickly and easily and most importantly, beautifully. We are a design studio after all, so aesthetics are of the utmost importance. And in literally a few hours, I had everything set up and ready to go. And now I can update the site in minutes. In fact, I even have fun doing it. And by the way, it looks just as good on desktops as it does on mobile devices. Want to see what mine looks like? Go to staplesdesign.com to check it out. And after you've done that, check out Squarespace. In fact, we've worked at a sweet deal with them for Business of Hype listeners. Go to squarespace.com slash listen for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code listen to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash listen. And now you no longer have an excuse to tell people not to go to your site. So you mentioned you know, from your own sort of world of mm -hmm. like LA sports music, have you felt the walls from the luxury side? Not really. Okay. Because I, I, I do what I do in a way to disrupt that. Like mm -hmm. I don't I don't have to um I don't have to kind of adhere to whatever walls they have up because of the day and age we live in. Yeah. I, don't, I don't I don't have to buy an ad in a in a magazine to communicate. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? There's no one in a magazine not letting me in. Right, right. Um I don't have to have a show during fashion week. Yeah. There's there's no one at fashion week that said no, fear of God you can't show because you know what I'm you not never showing. To do. <laughs> you know, right. I'm, I'm doing a campaign film that everyone can see. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't have to be there. I can speak directly to my audience. Right. I don't need to to use any of your platform. And, you know, I went to Barney's with my collection in a duffel bag and um, didn't know I needed to be on season to sell it to them. And they were just kind of like, hey, you know, we're, we're not in season, but we'll take a meeting with you. And mm -hmm. went there with my duffel bag and showed them first collection. And I'm like, okay, we'll take it right now. You know, and so... <laughs> so you broke a rule right there. <laughs> not knowing. Yeah, that, yeah. I, I never knew that I needed to be on calendar. I never knew, never knew that the brand needed to, um, to be on seasons. And it all kind of started... Um, was kind of birthed in ignorance and um, has been um, disruptive from a place of not knowing I needed to be in line. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just kind of like lack of knowledge. But now that I'm seeing that I can't be disruptive without having to be in line, like mm -hmm. the last thing I'm going to do is like try and be a part of this fashion world that I never felt accepted into anyhow. Yeah, that I know y'all really don't want me here. Mm -hmm. Anyhow, right? So I'm just gonna continue to do my thing outside of it. Yeah, I'll just build my own world. And <laughs> exactly, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. What do they say? Like, you know, if they don't let you eat at the table, just build your own table. Right. You know, have your own dinner party. Yeah, that's dope. And so that's kind of what we're doing. What? So you said Fear of God is now five years old. It's about five and a half years old. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What were you doing for work right up before that? I was paying my bills. I was a promoter in Los Angeles right before that. I okay. was a I was a promoter in Los Angeles. So I was throwing parties um, four or five nights a week, and um, during the day, I had my own like sports management company mm -hmm. and was was responsible for the, the marketing at the time for L.A. Dodgers player Matt Kemp. Mm -hmm. And so, in the back of my mind, my whole thing was like. Hopefully I can kind of get to Nike and build the next like King Griffey Jr. through Matt Kemp and I can leave the nightlife and I can kind of raise my family in an honorable way in in building Matt Kemp's right. brand. You know, having yeah. having gone to grad school, having worked for the LA Dodgers front office, um, you know, having got my MBA and my dad being a professional baseball, I always thought, oh, the business of baseball would be where I would mm -hmm. Like the agent management side or yeah, something. Jerry, yeah. Jerry Maguire. Right, you know, right. Something in, in that in wow. that world. And so, but during 
even during my corporate life and even during grad school and, and, and through college, I always, always worked uh, retail. And it was through working retail is where I gained these convictions of what was missing in the market mm-hmm. and how people wanted to feel when they bought something. And um, those are the kind of the the um, the keys from you know where I I pull from now as a designer. Yeah. You know. Yeah. How how is this jacket going to make somebody feel? Right. What is it about this that makes it so special that they're going to spend fifteen hundred bucks on this? Mm-hmm. Or what is it about these jeans that separate them? Yeah. You know. I think working retail is one of the most important things a designer can do because. They rarely, like, some of the really, like, high-profile designers never actually go into the front lines and see, like, what a regular Joe feels like when they put a jacket on and the emotions that they see in the mirror, you know? It's like when they put on the right piece, it's like they're unstoppable. So knowing how to, to like, get to that feeling, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, And letting that feeling drive. Hey, this is Jeff Staple, and I'm kind of an old school type of guy. I aspire to minimize aspects of my life. And I'm actually the type of person that wants less options. I just want to use the best things, not the most things. And this even boils down to something as minor as the apps on my phone. I no longer need three different apps for music and another one for news and yet another one for listening to podcasts. Why? Because now I get everything on Spotify. I can listen to all my favorite songs, artists, and now podcasts in one place. And you could do it for free, even without a premium account. I actually do have a premium account because it costs like less than two cappuccinos, so why not? But strangely enough, my partner prefers having a free account because she actually likes listening to ads. Go figure. Anyway, Spotify has a massive catalog of podcasts on every topic, including the one you're listening to right now. But wait, there's more, my friend. You can follow your favorite podcast so you never miss an episode. Premium users can download episodes to listen to offline, wherever you are, with or without service. And you can easily share what you're listening to with your friends and enemies on an app called Instagram that I've heard is gaining quite a bit of popularity. So if you haven't done so already, download the Spotify app. And immediately after that, search for The Business of Hype and follow it and me. You can also browse for other podcasts in the Your Library tab, but really all you need is this one. All right, go forth and minimize. Delete all your other apps and download Spotify today. What was your retail pedigree? Uh, Man, I started off like in the stock room working for Diesel. This was like Diesel's like late 90s in Chicago. Okay. You know, um, and I, I don't think that I was cool enough to be on the sales floor at the time. So I was, I spent like two years in the stock room. Wow. That's kind of like where I kind of, kind of have this chip on my shoulder with fashion. And even though diesel wasn't fashion back then, it felt like fashion in the late For 90s. Sure. It was yeah. like, you know, $200 jeans. I remember my dad walked in there and I was like, you know, I showed him these jeans and he's like, what do they do? I was like, they're just jeans. <laughs> like, he's like, what, what for like 200 bucks, do they do something? Yeah. I was like, nah, man. They, do they dry for you? Like, yeah, Exactly. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know. But no, diesel was like for me too. Like that was fashion. Yeah. Late nineties. Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? So, you know, I worked a stock room for two years mm-hmm. and from there I got on the sales floor. I think the first day on the sales floor, I think I did like six or seven grand and the store manager like lost his mind. He's like, how did you do this? But it was because I knew like, I knew the stock room, like the back of my hand and I was running for sizes for the sales staff for two years. And so when somebody walked in the door, like I knew what size they were by looking at them. Mm -hmm. I knew what to offer them based on what I knew was in the stock room. Right. You know, I knew what that person wanted to feel like based on, you know, my stock job. Yeah. And then, you know, having a little bit of taste and a little bit of like an eye for certain things, uh-huh. um, that first day I was able to be like super successful. And so um, I've always had this like full understanding of the business mm-hmm. from a stockroom perspective to the sales floor to how the person wants to feel. Yeah. And even now, as I'm like the CEO and the head designer of my company, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've got a good idea of what's happening in finance. I have a good idea what's happening at my factory. I have a good idea what's happening in my sales team. And I'm able to use all this information into strategizing how we launch or strategizing what a piece looks like. And Mm -hmm. it's a very holistic approach. Right. 
yeah. to... You know the to, whole 360. Yeah, it's yeah. a very holistic approach to um, to design. Yeah. That's not, like you said, a creative director being separated from... Mm-hmm. Sales the, product, Not, not yeah. only the business, but like, you know, yeah. the, you know, interfacing with the customer. Right. You mentioned so, you did some years um, in party promotion and yeah, nightlife. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like what you said when you're like, I wanted to find a more honorable way to raise yeah. my family. Was that not an honorable way? No, nah, that's why. That's why I go by Lorenzo. No one really knows this, and maybe that's that'll be something that comes out. But <laughs> you know, my dad was managing the White Sox and the Mets, mm-hmm. you know, and Jerry Manuel. He's kind of known as the sage, or like you know, this integrous guy. Yeah. And he's got his son, his namesake, out in L.A., like, throwing parties, you know. <laughs> you know oh, so um, you went by Lorenzo for the party scene. Because I didn't want people to, like, look up Jerry Manuel and see a promoter. Yeah. And my dad had right. built this honorable name up <laughs> in baseball. And you know right. what I mean? And his son is, like, out here, you know, tipsy every night, you know, <laughs> stumbling over couches. And so I started, I just used my middle name. Uh-huh. You know? Uh, okay. Cool. So I, you didn't I, want to disgrace the family name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's funny. That's kind of how the the Jerry Lorenzo kind of like started. Yeah, there's definitely you know most people know that there's like a heavy religious influence in your brand and the roots of it, but you could almost argue that there couldn't be more of a opposite for the nightlife. Is that was it already there, or did was it the nightlife that brought you to the light? I mean, I think God uses everything to to bring. Um, you to where he needs you to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I grew up in church and um, I always knew that the nightlife was somewhere I didn't want to be. Even even when I was in it, I knew that that's not something that I wanted my kid to one day look up and say, yeah, my dad is a mm-hmm. party promoter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and I always felt like, you know, I always knew that God had given me influence. Yeah. And, and, and I knew that if I was able to get people out of their house four or five nights a week to come have a good time, that I could... I could provide them with solutions to their closet if I, if I learned how to do it, Mm -hmm. you know? And, um, and for me, it was just kind of like realizing and understanding that influence that, that God had given me and saying, Hey, how how do I redirect this? And how do I, how do I use this in in an honorable way? Right. And that's why we talked about earlier, why I'm so transparent with my process, Mm -hmm. you know, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm new at this. I'm just giving you my perspective. You can love it or not, but this is my perspective. Yeah, yeah. You know, yes, this is built from a reference. This is built from, um, you know, a vintage piece I found at the Rose Bowl, but, you know, through my lens. Yeah, right. You know, and it's just kind of like this over-transparent approach to how I'm providing these solutions. Yeah. You know, and I think I think you can be super honest and transparent or you could be super strategic and calculated and I'm... I'm not the type of guy that has the bandwidth to, to be calculated. Mm-hmm. I'm better at just being honest. Yeah, right. Yeah. What did you learn from those nightlife days? Are there any positive takeaways, like you know, skill sets? Yeah, I think the positive skill set was I, 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 built an, I built a party that was so good that I didn't have to ask you to come out. You mm-hmm. just wanted to be there. Mm-hmm. And so with clothing, I, I don't ever want to, have to promote or ask you to buy something. I want to make something that's so good that you just want it. That's genius. Yeah. You know, and it's like, I I hated to have to text people to come out to Uh the party. Yeah. And so I did everything I could to make sure that we had the best party Mm -hmm. so that you just kind of wanted to be there. Yeah. Yeah. And you were never really doing me a favor by showing up. Mm -hmm. You wanted to be there as much as I wanted you there. Right. And it's kind of like with the fashion and what I'm doing now is like, I want you to buy the jeans as much as you want the jeans. You know what I mean? It's like a mutual, you know what I mean? I, I, I want you to want it. Yeah. So my focus has always been on the product, mm-hmm. you know, it's always been on the solution. Yeah. But also in building the allure of the story. So it's almost like you're building a world that you want people to come into both in nightlife and in fear of God, right? Like the film that you did recently was like so epic. That it yeah. just, it's like, I want to find out more about what's going yeah, on here. I don't here, know you if know? allure is the right word, because if you dig into the film, it's like, oh man, look at these honest references from this kid's childhood. Uh-huh. You know, and yeah. it's just kind of like, if you dig into the allure, you find truth. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. you're not finding a, a, a painting 
painted for the sake of you coming to just look at it. Yeah. If you dig into that, you're going to find honesty. Mm -hmm. Substance. You're going to, yeah. yeah. So like, that's kind of why we go so hard with the campaign films and the storytelling is like, yo, this thing is really built on some real emotion, mm -hmm. some real ideas, yeah. a, a real perspective. And if you dig more, you're just going to find more honesty. You're not going to find a, a strategic um, campaign. Right. Like, we got gotcha. you. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You're never going to hit that. You're never going to hit that with us. Yeah. Right. A common running theme among the Business of Hype guests is that it all comes down to great product. Marketing has its job, and it's a very important one. But don't keep it as your priority focus. How would you position your brand or product then? Be true and honest with the references and emotions behind what you create. No one can take it away if you're honest with yourself and your work. Like what we heard from the Black Rainbow guys a few episodes ago, go out there and just create. You can make all the decks and make all the campaigns in the world, but if the product and how you deliver the product isn't great, then none of it will matter. I'm wondering now from a business standpoint, like, let's just take an example, like your latest collection and the Nike drop. How calculated are you with like, do you have the whole plan on like a PowerPoint presentation? Nah, and man. You're I pretty wish. organic with it. I wish. I mean, the plan was for six to come out like a lot sooner, but it took me, you know, six months to develop six collection. It took me a really long time. Yeah. You know, my, my process of developing pieces is a lot longer than most designers because I'm, it's all, it's all 3D. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so it's just kind of like, I don't sketch something and give it to my production manager. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like a physical thing that's been cut up and sewn together. And it's like, all right, take this and let's make proto number one right and the development to get proto number one to a final sample is a super long time yeah yeah and then the development to get 90 protos to say the same language mm -hmm. and to say the same story it, it, it takes me a lot longer to do that and yeah. so we were hoping to have six collection out you know early summer it, Was ju it? it just so happened that we shot the same week that we got the final uh, sample in from the Nike, so yeah. we were able to include it in the campaign. Oh, it wasn't your intention to include it in. Not an, it was a it was a it happy was, accident. It was my it was a happy accident, right? It well, was it a looked, happy accident. It looked mad, well timed and like calculated. That well, like the, the Nike's coming. There's murmurings of it, and Jared's rocking it in the in the video. But all that's like honestly organic. Is just the the camp the the clothing was definitely designed in knowing what mm -hmm. the shoe looked like, yeah. the shape was, so it could style right. well together. Right, right. It was, a, it was, we would, we would have loved to have the Nike on set, mm -hmm. but we didn't know for a fact that we were going to get it. Yeah. You know, until, right. you know, days before. And yeah, it was yeah. just like, you know, that's another, another um, reason why I just think that there's a, um, someone else's hand on what's happening with us, mm. you know? Yeah. And so, Call it fate, call it what you want, but um, even you know you mentioned Leto, you know that was a shot in the dark getting him to come and be in the campaign. He was you know wearing our clothes on his tour, so I was like, oh, let me just ask the guy, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, let me just ask the guy. It seems like he likes the brand, and yeah. so um, you know we we reached out to him and they they replied the same day like, yeah, we want to do it. We got to check with Alessandro over at Gucci, but we want to do it. Um, <laughs> wow. And, um, Jared came back, you know, and said, Hey, everyone at Gucci said no, but Alessandro thinks this will be a good idea. So I'm going to, he's going to let me do it. <laughs> so it was just amazing, amazing, bro. Yeah. You know? And, and then he came on set and was like, so dialed in, uh -huh. like he did 20 looks and then he spent another six, six hours, like shooting the film yeah. part at night. Like I've never worked with someone so dialed. Wow. You know? And. You know, you you when you when you get a model, they know what they got to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know, you, know you, you work them. They get to set, and you work them all yeah. day. You get what you They're need. They're a mannequin. Out of them. Yeah, yeah. Jared, it was it was such a wild card. Right. I was like, man, if I could get three or four looks. Yeah. A couple and hours. And then he wants to bounce. <laughs> yeah, get a couple hours on set. Right. You know, but he he gave us so much, man, and that just I was so humbled by that, dude. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. you know, and, and he and I now are pretty good friends and mutual respect for one another. But And you just asked like directly? Just his team. I asked his team who, okay. who had been asking for like clothes during his tour. Okay, okay. So we just, who we had just, been asking you for clothes. So yeah. You knew, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were just like, hey, let's just shoot this. Because I had selected Maggie. Um, Maggie Maurer was kind of like the muse of the collection. Mm-hmm. I, I knew I wanted her like, you know, when I started designing like over a year ago. Yeah. And I, I, she's so dope and so like, um, uh, dominant Mm -hmm. that it had to be someone like an Oscar winner next to her, in my opinion. Right. It was really hard to find a guy. A model. Yeah. Yeah. That could sit next to Maggie Maurer. Uh I just, I just really think she's that dope. And so just like, you know, to half court shot, bro. You know? (laughs) Hail Mary. Hail Mary. (laughs) You know? That's amazing. Sometimes I think a lot of young people are like scared to ask. You know what I mean? They just think like, I'm not even going to ask the question because I already know the answer is going to be no. But to your point, you never know. No, man. And it's like the reality is, man, we get more no's than yeses all the time. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's a part, like if I would have stopped, you know, with, you know, the process of even creating fear of God. Right. You know, it doesn't make sense. Mm Mm-hmm financially it doesn't make sense the business plan the business plan is not a good idea do you have a business plan Nah, you never made a business plan Nah, man i I used all the club money that i had you know (laughs) really i had like fourteen thousand saved up Uh uh-huh i used all that and for production the first production run not even just learning the business man i hadn't even i didn't produce anything when that when that was gone wow that was just kind of learning Oh, I, re- I heard you got like yeah. screwed a bunch of times too, yeah, right? Yeah, a bunch of times, man. By like factory people? Or factory just... people, product managers and, you know, because I didn't mm-hmm. know, I, I still don't really know the business. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I mean. You I know was, your business, but you don't know the business. I don't know the business. Yeah, yeah. I know what I'm doing from, right. a, from a design perspective, mm-hmm. but it's easy to come in here and kind of like pull the wool over my eye from a coo operation standpoint mm-hmm. i'm still learning all this stuff yeah yeah and so when someone say hey you gotta like buy fabric mm-hmm. you know i gotta if you want that piece you know it's gonna cost you ten thousand dollars and i gotta buy a whole roll at that time yeah, yeah. it kind of makes sense <laughs> right but you know and then you never see the roll of fabric uh-huh. <laughs> and you know the piece doesn't get made but the conviction is so heavy that you know that, that what you're proposing is missing and so all yeah. those things that tell you, hey, it doesn't make sense, stop. Right. You just keep going. Right. You yep. just keep going. That's amazing. What about when you were working with like Kanye and Bieber? Was that educational in terms of the process? Like how was their process? Kanye's got a crazy process. I can imagine. He, he's got a crazy <laughs> process. And so you can, you can walk away from there a lot with what not to do as much <laughs> as kind of like what to uh-huh, do. Right. Um, and, and neither one of them, neither one of the things that I'm saying is a negative thing, but mm-hmm. his process is is uniquely his process. Mm-hmm. And that process isn't going to work for anybody else yeah. but Kanye West. Right. And you've got to understand that. Uh-huh. But what he did do that helped me so much was the way that he worked and how hard that he worked mm-hmm. and how much that he, you know, obsessed over the little things, Yeah, you know? Um, and so those are the things that I was able to take away. Right. The obsessiveness. Know? And just like... You know, hey, um, we gotta hop. We gotta get on a plane tomorrow to go meet this person. Mm-hmm. And usually, your mind would be like, "Oh, I gotta get a ticket, and maybe let me look at my calendar." No, tomorrow, right? We gotta go. Uh-huh. You know, and that was kind of like when I did my first shoe. It was like, you know, going to Italy on my own was really a very like um, fearful yeah. thing. Yeah, but it yeah, was kind of like I, I gotta do it. Mm-hmm. I I have to have my own shoe. This was like fourth collection. I have to finish this head to toe look somehow. I was just like, I get on a plane and go figure out how to do this. And it was that type of approach that I took, Mm -hmm. you know, from a Kanye. Yeah. Um, That type of uh, not not taking no for an answer. Did he Um, literally just say like, get on a plane and come or go somewhere? Like, is that how you first? All the time. All the time. That's just how that business is ran. Yeah, yeah. You know, hey, I think this person will have a best, the best perspective for what we're doing here. Let's go meet with them. Let's go right now. Let's go. Right. How long did you work with him for? Oh, uh, man, like three, three and a half years. Wow. So it was, um, he saw my first collection. Mm-hmm. And first collection of Fear God. Yeah. Okay. 
And, you know, I was friends with Virgil and Ibid and Don and all those guys from nightlife and from living in Chicago when my dad was with the White Sox. I knew Don um, and had never really met Ye before. And um, he found out about the line through through those guys. Yeah. And Virgil hit me. He's like, hey, can you can you be in Atlantic City tomorrow? Atlantic City? Yeah. He was he had a tour back then. He had a show. Okay. In Atlantic, this is right during Christmas time. It was like 2012 or something. The most unfashionable city in America, maybe. Yeah, he, just, he, he had like a, okay. a, a holiday show or yeah. something. This was like right when I had finished the first collection. He's like, he's he saw your your long. Can you bring more of these long tees? Are like, you in so LA perfect. or Chicago? I'm in I'm in Sacramento with my parents. Okay. And I'm like, yeah, I can I can get there. And he's like, can you bring your collection? And so I flew to LA, got my collection, and duffel bagged, duffel bagged <laughs> it out there, man. Yep. And you know, he grabs his T-shirt and he's like, man, I could see all the thought that goes into this oh wow that's dope and i'm just like exactly Mm -hmm. and so he and i saw things the same way yeah you know what i mean and so our our perspective is very similar Mm -hmm. you know you can you can look at a lot of the things that we've done together and things that we've done since we've been apart and you know perspective is similar yep totally um and um and it was you know, it was there in Atlantic City. He's like, "What are you doing um, in a couple of weeks?" I'm like, uh, "I'll be in LA." He's like, "Can you can you be in Paris? I'm working on this APC collab. I want you to work on." And that's how the, the APC collab that he did. Yeah, and that's how like my relationship with him started. So you went to Paris. Went to Paris in two weeks. Worked on APC, and from there helped and you know just provided perspective. I didn't know mm-hmm. what I was doing. <laughs> you know, this was the this was kind of like. I had just launched my first collection, yeah. not ever making, not ever working in fashion. Mm-hmm. And so then going to work with him. With APC, like. Other, with APC, yeah. then with Yeezy, still not knowing what I'm doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. I'm, I'm learning as I'm going, <laughs> right. still trying to keep fear of God going on the side and keep that separate from what I'm building with, with yeah. this guy. Um, it was a whirlwind of three years, man. Damn. You know? Um, super tough and challenging time i had just had twins in the beginning of that relationship working with him and um trying to trying to build a family and mm-hmm. um find a harmonious way to to work with this guy that i that i've looked up to for so long yeah um trying to decide if if we're friends or we is it a working relationship mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah um trying to pull my emotions out of it and right right um, it's trying, weird when one of, when your idol asks you to like, just come with me and do this amazing project. Yeah, I don't know if he was an idol, but I know what you're saying. Okay, but some, <laughs> okay, noted no, um, for the record. No, nah, I mean I think it's someone that you've looked up to mm-hmm. for, and respect. As, yeah, someone that you respect now sees what you see in mm-hmm. yourself, and you guys see things the same. Yeah, way. It's a it's a pretty humbling thing and mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to put into words. Yeah, totally. Um, and when you see that, oh, I bring value here mm-hmm. that you looked up to, that's kind of hard to, um, hard to accept in a yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. But know? when when two artists sort of get together and say like, I want you to help me with this, is there a negotiation or a business side to that conversation? Is there like, a, yeah, here's my fee. Can you pay that? Like, can you cut like... I don't, I don't think, I'm not going <laughs> to... I don't think me or Ye are the best business people. I think we both are very emotional uh-huh. artists and creatives. Like just driven from the soul. and Driven just, yeah. from like what we know the world wants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And what we know we can offer. Right, right. And so I think us not really maybe being the best business guys maybe got in the way of finding a harmonious way for us to continue working together for longer than the three years. Mm-hmm. Um but then again, man, it's like I, I got a family now, a five. Yeah. He's got a he had a, a budding family, and it's mm-hmm. just at, at, at some point, like the Beatles got to break up. You yeah. know what I'm saying? At, at some point, like you got to go, you, you know, you got to do you. You got to go be Paul yeah. McCartney. At yeah, some point yeah. You got you know what I mean? And so it's like everything kind of happens in seasons, and everything happens for a reason. But at the end of the day, man, it's like. I don't have that many homies anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's just kind of like I've got a family that first I'm responsible for. Yeah, yeah. You know, and no no friendship or no work relationship is ever going to get in front of that, yeah. of that responsibility. Mm-hmm. And I think 
all of us individually kind of got to that place as men where it was just kind of like, we kind of got to do what we got to do independently yeah, and, yeah. and with respect and honor to the legacy and that we all were working at this place together. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're very clear on the, the, the magnification of our individual projects yeah. that came from this epicenter. But uh, the reality is, is like, you know, I think uh, light that's shown or, or, or shined on you is going to do two things. It's going to elevate you or it's going to expose you. Mm-hmm. You know, right? And I think that it it elevated who we are because our perspective is is real. Mm-hmm. If our perspective wasn't what it what it really was, it would have exposed us, and we wouldn't be here today. Yeah, yeah. You know, right? And so um, I'm very grateful for the exposure, mm-hmm. but I know my gifts and talents are not from there. Yeah, my gifts and talents come from a different place, mm-hmm. and. Um, I'm I'm mature enough now to understand and see that. Yeah. You know, and and um um I just, you know, take some time to kind of get to a to a place where you understand and you see the value in what you bring to the world. We've heard this throughout the conversation with Jerry. He may be newer to some areas of design or running a business but he's self-aware and knows what he needs. It's important to recognize your gifts and talents. Yes, you should absolutely challenge yourself, but playing to your strengths and knowing when to tap others is not only smart, but it's efficient. Knowing to move on is also on the other side of the coin. It may be hard, but it's sometimes one of the best decisions. There will come a time when change is necessary, and it doesn't mean conflict. But as we all evolve, so does what we create, how we create, and who we create with. It's not closing a door on people, it's opening a window to see what else is out there. How else can you make an impact or grow your work? How different was it to work with like Bieber? Man, that was that was kind of risky, like in the sense that um, after coming from after like, you know, working on Ye's merch mm-hmm. and then um, kind of, um, you know, not breaking up from the crew, but kind of leaving that crew was just kind of like a very um, tough time where I had to kind of do some very like um, some some deep spiritual digging for myself. Yeah. And um, I was I was in this spiritual place, man, where I was so connected to Bieber from a from a place of a, I liked his message of purpose mm-hmm. and what I felt like this kid was trying to say. Yeah. And, and I knew that my gifts and talents from a styling perspective could help him mm-hmm. that I didn't care that at the time he wasn't so cool. Mm-hmm. And it was risky because if I would have looked at that opportunity through a different lens, even a year ago, I'm not, I'm not working with Bieber. That's going to kill my brain. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we're not, we don't say the same things from an aesthetic standpoint, right? But I felt like the spiritual connection of where he was trying to go was so heavy that mm-hmm. I didn't care. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Right. You know what? I'm I'm gonna help you. Mm-hmm. I can I can help you with this merch, and I can help you to get your aesthetic to sound like your music. And there's a disconnect because everyone kind of likes what your music sounds like, but the aesthetic and the yeah the merch that you're is way off. Mm-hmm. Let me help try and connect these things. Yeah, and I yeah. felt like I could come in and do that. Right. Um, and so I just felt like I could, I could really serve Justin in a way and say, Hey, with what I'm gifted at, I can, I can help you. Mm-hmm. But um, is the creative process with him much more like, Oh my God, it's so easy. Yeah. Compared to, yeah, <laughs> it's right. just like, Oh, I love everything. <laughs> you yeah. know, Justin's like, this is all cool. Approved where it's just like, <laughs> you know, working with yay is just like, you know, Iteration after iteration yeah. after iteration after iteration mm-hmm. after, you know. Right. Don't, I don't want to see a PDF. Jerry, can you go make this downtown and show me what this might look like? You know what I mean? Like right. super. And so to go from there to like, oh, this is all cool. It was just like, oh my God, there's an easier way to do this. <laughs> right. Totally. How do you, um, you mentioned your family just now, like, and how they come first. Now with everything that's going on in your life, do you find it a challenge to balance like work life, you know, family, business. Yeah, it's 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 tough, man, cuz you know, 
um, there, there are times where I wish I was just a creative director. I wish I was just a designer and I wish the weight of this business wasn't so heavy and I didn't have to, um, sit here and deal with finance and HR issues and, you know, finance not getting along with marketing or finance. Well, we don't have a marketing department. Finance not getting along. You don't have a marketing department? (laughs) (laughs) No. You're like, wait, I don't have a marketing department. (laughs) Finance not getting along with sales and you know what I mean? So it's just like the weight of all of this. And then I go home Mm -hmm. and I'm carrying all this weight and it's just hard to be present. You want to leave that weight at the door outside. I wish. Right. Yeah. And I wish I could walk in the house and just be present with yeah, my son hey, and just up? go shoot hoops <laughs> right. and enjoy the moments that mean the most to me. Yeah. Um, and so. And then there's that guilt when you can't, like when you're trying to engage, but you, there's this thing in your head. There's like, then you feel guilty for feeling that way, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then you have to physically leave to Asia for two mm-hmm. weeks. And now, even if you want to be home and not even be present, you don't have the choice to do that. Yeah. So it's just. It's, it's, it's tough. You know, I I think, I think all men struggle with how to find that balance, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, because you want to, you got to provide. Yeah. Provide support. Yeah. You want to provide and you want to not only provide, but as an, as an African American, I want to show my son the possibilities of what he can do with his life. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Like, you know, my, my dad's father was a chef. He was a carpenter and he was a, uh, a barber, worked three different jobs, Mm -hmm. you know, mate. So did all that to give my dad an opportunity to go play major league baseball and go coach. And my dad did all these things to show me that, Hey, you don't have to, you could, you could be a baseball player. You could do this or you could do that. And so now I'm trying to do all that I can do through fear of God to show my son Mm -hmm. that, Hey, you can do whatever it is you want to do. And there've been people before us that fought. And so my job is to now take the manual name Uh (laughs) we talked about. Yeah. And, and, and put it at a, a different place so that my, my son just sees um, the possibilities of what he can do. Right. You How old is your son? Uh, he's eight. Does he get who you are and what you do? I think he's starting to. I think yeah. he's starting to, especially like with this whole 2K thing the, happening. The video game, yeah. Yeah, I think he's, he's starting that to That speaks really, to him, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he's starting to kind of see that. And, and when we go out and people recognize me, mm. he... He, he notices he no, that. He notices that, yeah. He notices that, yeah. Does, does like, Nike mean anything to him yet? I'm trying to think if, when I was eight, if, like... Yeah, it does. Yeah? It, it does, because I think, I think this whole, like, fashion and street culture mean way more to the kids at seven, eight years old than it did to you or I when we were yeah. younger. What year were you born in? I'm old, man. I was 77. Okay. I'm older than you. Oh, really? 75. Oh, wow. I thought yeah, you were yeah. younger than me. <laughs> but yeah, so we're from that generation. But. Yeah, you know what it is. Yeah, like I, I, I didn't care about street culture when I was yeah. seven or eight. Right, no. <laughs> it was so, sports, that's it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Wow. So yeah, it is tough to balance that, that family situation. What do you think about uh, someone coming into the culture right now who's trying to start a brand, you know? Um, do you feel like it's a good profession to be in? Oh man, I don't know. I think it depends on, on, on what, what, what perspective or what solution they feel like they're bringing to the world, Mm -hmm. you know? And maybe fashion doesn't have to be. I mean, I I think if you, if you're bringing something that's missing Mm -hmm. from the culture, then, then yeah, go for it. Yeah. Then there's room for you. Right. But if you're just kind of regurgitating like ideas Mm-hmm. to be in it just for the sake of being in it. I don't think it's, a, I don't think there's a future for you. Wouldn't you say that's like 99% of the people in fashion right now? Uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. I think there's a not, a, a, enough, enough of different ideas that exist to, to, to kind of disagree. But, um, you know, my, what, you know, I listen to a lot of T.D. Jakes and one of the things he said is that the reason you know you can do something is when you see it differently. So I've always seen fashion from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And if the kid that wants to get into fashion sees it differently, then yes, get into it. Yeah. If you see it like everyone else sees it, then this probably isn't the place for you. That's a great barometer. Yeah. Yeah. In the, in the last five years, are there any mistakes that you made that you could, if you could go back and do it over, you would do it differently or uh, I think, be happy with the way it's all turning out? Yeah, man. 
It's like, you know, Meek Mill, man, wins and losses, man. <laughs> all, all the losses um, help you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? All the mistakes have, have, have been even more important f- yeah. from, a, from a learning experience, mm-hmm. you know? Even if I talk about more about Meek and, and, and his L's and, like, listening to his new album, that doesn't happen without those L's. Yeah, right, right. You know, Drake's new album, it doesn't happen without Pusha. You know what I mean? It's like people are so caught up in like taking an L take that L and learn from it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, take, take that defeat and right. like build, pick yourself up. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. I've been wrapped about, you know what I'm saying? I got past it. So it's just kind of like, you gotta, you gotta use that to as, as the gas mm-hmm. that, that goes into, into the tank. Yeah. You know, what, what are you built out of? Right. You know, if you haven't hit rock bottom or if you haven't really lost it, you're not really living. Yeah. You know, so. But you've been wrapped about? I don't want to really speak on it. I'm just saying. <laughs> okay, I'll look it up myself. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you. Thank you for your time. No doubt. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, thanks for listening to this rare and amazing episode with the elusive Jerry Lorenzo. As always, you can find out more about the show and listen to other episodes at hypebeast.com slash radio. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. I personally use Anchor FM. Also, leave a comment and tell us what you think about the show. It definitely helps a lot. You can also reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Staple, and we occasionally answer listener questions on the show. So if you have a question, shoot it over, and we'll try to answer them. The Business of Hype is created in collaboration with Bright Young Things. You can check out their work at byt.nyc. Our director is Daniel Novetta. Our audio engineer is David Rogers-Berry. Our associate producers are Sydney Pacumpera and Christina Hong. This episode was recorded at Sibling Rivalry Studio in New York and on location at the Fear of God headquarters in Los Angeles, California. I'm Jeff Staple, and you've been listening to The Business of Hype on Hype Radio. 